You're listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, bringing the most inspirational leaders in the Australian tech industry together to collaborate, share stories and exchange ideas. I'm Liam McDade, co-founder of Evolution Australia, and today I'll be your host. Hello, welcome to another Evolution Exchange live podcast and the latest in our special talent acquisition series, where we'll be having a discussion about how we can future-proof the talent acquisition function within your business. Uh, we think this is an especially important and timely topic, given the challenges that the talent world and talent professionals in particular have experienced over the last year. And our goal today is to share thoughts and insights on the value that the talent function within a business can add above and beyond simply identifying, attracting and engaging new employees. So we hope you find it, um, will enjoy it and find it, find it helpful. Uh, as ever, I have a cohort of industry experts who are ready to share their thoughts and insights with you. So let's get into the intros. I'll start. Um, I'm Liam. I'm the co-founder and managing director of Evolution, um, a specialist recruitment consultancy with a defined purpose of helping companies and individuals realize their potential and a brand promise to create a great recruitment experience. Uh, Laura, over to you. Thanks, Liam. Um... Thank you for having me and hello to everyone. Uh, my name is Lauren. I am Head of Talent at MYOB. Uh, MYOB, for those that aren't familiar with us, is uh, a business management platform. So a lot of people associate MYOB with uh, accounting software, but we offer a lot more than just accounting software, inventory management, payroll, um, loans. It's basically one-stop shop for all your small business needs. Um, we're about 1,800 people and we're across Australia and New Zealand. Um, so a bit about me, I'm a registered psychologist by trade. Um, I started my career working in management consulting uh, for a large consulting firm that is not so uh, good to mention right now, PwC. Um, I then moved uh, to Australia Post where I was head of culture, head of people for the technology function, and then when I moved to MYOB, I started off in head of OD and now leading the talent team, which uh, I'm really enjoying. And that's me, Liam. Thanks, Laura. Uh, Michael. Amazing. Thanks, Liam. Um, hello, everyone. And uh, thanks for joining us today. I I'm Michael Christmas. I'm the talent and candidate experience manager at Flybys. Uh, we've had a massive increase in members uh, over the last six months as well, but uh, over the last few years as we've sort of refreshed the brand, we've branched out of Coles, we've tripled in size in the last few years. It's been a lot of uh, a very, very fun journey to be part of. Um, so yeah, hopefully you, uh, you're all Flybys members. If you're not, sign up today, <laughs> get, get, your, get your points going. Um, so a bit about me, I, uh, I actually used to work in television. I used to look after talented reality TV um, over in the UK and, uh, and a little bit here in Australia. And then I transitioned into tech recruitment. I was working in agencies for a little while and then uh, I transitioned into internal talent management. So I'm one of two talent managers at Flybys. Um, I look after all the tech teams and uh, the other talent manager looks after the commercial space. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Thanks, Michael. And Sandra. Awesome. Sandra, very formal. Um, also known as Slim Shady, so feel free to call me whatever you like. I think I need I <laughs> to be able to, to, to share that rather than doing it for you, so that's fine. All good. Um, so I'm Sandra. I am the head of talent at Papercut Software at the moment. Um, for those who don't know who we are, we are a print management software company. We like to say that we are the most exciting company in the most boring part of IT. So that's who we are. Um, prior to Papercut, I was at a, a fintech startup called Indebted, uh, where you might have heard of us. We um, trialed and um, won Australia's best place to work for 2022, um, and we had a four-day work week as well. Um, I'm missing that very, very much. Uh, my background is within HR and talent, and yeah, at um, Papercut, I look after the talent function. I'm also the mother of Snowy, um, who is a very, very fluffy white Japanese spitz. There you go. Yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for joining us. Um, so, where are we going to kick off the conversation today? Well, there are a lot of challenges in the current talent landscape, which have been brought um, uh, brought about through through many factors, uh, including economic uncertainty, advances in technology capability, chiefly but like exclusively automation and AI, um, and a downturn in hiring, which has uh, fortunately resulted in extensive layoffs uh, across the talent space. Um, thankfully, thankfully, what we've also seen become more and more recognised over the last few years is that talent's job isn't just seen as bringing people into the business anymore. Instead, many talent functions are geared towards adding wider value to a company's core asset, um, being their people. Um, and that's where we want to start today. 
So, Lauren, I know this is something that you're um, passionate about and have extensive experience in. So I want to hand over to you to give us some more context. Yeah, happy to kick things off. Um, so I think you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned one of those macro trends around the deceleration of hiring, which we're certainly seeing at MYOB. And I know that um, that everyone is kind of seeing it within within their functions as well. Um, I was looking at some of the SEEK data recently and for May, there was a hiring slowdown across Australia by 23%. So it's certainly, it's happening. Um, and it's certainly, I think, contributing to talent functions, looking more broadly at what their offering can be to the organisation. And I think the other macro trend is the the um, rise of AI. So you kind of have to be living under a rock to, to hear um, about um, AI and ChatGBT. And there's a ton of podcasts out there now talking about how talent functions in particular can be using ChatGPT and in a lot of their work. Um, so I feel like those two macro trends in particular are contributing to a shift in how talent functions are looking at the offering and the service that they can provide to the organisation um, and shift in the offering that they're then able to able to offer. For us, it certainly has also, this the slowdown in hiring has meant that we've had a bit more capacity to be able to explore some of these areas a little further. Um, and so things that I'm talking about are um, really understanding the business strategy, um, looking at the shape of the organisation in more detail, far more strategic workforce planning, um, not just replacing a like-for-like -like role if something becomes uh, our role becomes vacant, not just trying to fill it with the same as what we previously had, but actually thinking about that as an opportunity to to shift the shape of the organisation. Should we be replacing that role with someone more senior or more junior? Have they got the right skill set? Rather than just finding the same skill set that we had before, how do we kind of shift the skills of that team by bringing in someone different? Um, Internal mobility is also um, something that we've been able to focus on a lot more because we've had that little bit more capacity. Um, and we've actually started doing more career conversations with our internal um, employees and finding out wh where they want to take their career, which in turn helps us build talent pipelines um, and pools so that we can be ready when vacancies do arise. Um, so I think that I think that the work that we're doing now is a lot more strategic. It's a lot more forward thinking. Um, and it certainly has allowed us to, I don't want to say have more of a seat at the table, but, you know, have have more of an impact in the organisation and be able to influence a lot more, um, you know, around DEI um, shifts um, and just essentially expand the, the, um, the work that we're doing. Michael, I know that that's uh, offering value across the full talent landscape outside of just acquisition is something that, that you, and, you and I have discussed at, at length in the past. Um, how's that um, how's that manifesting at, uh, at Flybys? What, what are you able to share with, with the audience today? Yeah, 100%. I can report with several of the things that you're saying, Lauren, absolutely, because there's definitely been, uh, while Flybys is luckily one of the companies that uh, is still hiring, I know that a lot of there's been a lot of layoffs across the market and stuff, a lot more candidates on the market at the moment, but... Uh, yeah, we're very lucky to be in that situation, but it, it is sort of like lulling compared to where we were over the last few years. So I mentioned just earlier, we've been through a massive growth phase. We tripled in size. We're obviously getting the company up to capacity and building new teams. And, um, you know, now that we're an independent company, there was a lot of um, new sort of avenues that we need to build up from the ground up. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just think that it's, it's more about, as an extension of taking each requirement as uh, an opportunity to add extra value and stuff like that. I love that comment, Lauren. Absolutely. Every single requirement should just not be a, oh, let's just backfill. Let's get the same thing. It's like, okay, we've got this role. What do we do with it? What does the team need? Because uh, in general, the world is moving so fast. Uh, things are evolving. Teams are evolving. Needs are evolving. Um, not to use the word evolving too much, Liam, just trying to spread it. find the more random Yeah. Um, but yeah, so absolutely. Every time I sit down for initial sync with hiring managers, I go, okay, we've got this role, right? I understand the purpose is a new role or is it a backfill, whatever, but, but what's happening there. Um, but I think that's like very much sort of like what the, the focus in general is what uh, talent acquisition or talent managers or a talent team usually do. And that's where we add a lot of value. I think that to be competitive and on the topic of today, um, you know, my mind has definitely been this year on uh, on the broader expanding your skills for sure, um, and not just 
the section that a lot of people see us as, which is sort of like attracting talent, onboarding talent, going through the interview process. Okay, palm you off, see you later. Great, requirement filled. Um, but it's very much about, Lauren, you mentioned it, talent pooling. Um, we did a whole big comm strategy about making sure that our talent community is stayed in touch with. We do month, bi-monthly sort of info things. So I can explain that a little bit further later on if you want to. Do all these different sort of strategies to build those talent pools so that you're very much proactive instead of reactive with talent uh, recruitment as well. But it's very much about the full journey for us. Um, and for example, I sit within the people experience team. So we don't call it talent acquisition or whatever. It's um, We do have other HR manager members in there and um, you know program managers and, and, and internal columns and things like that. Part of the reason why I actually joined Flybys was to be immersed in a team that had so many different specialists that you can sort of collaborate with and expand your skills. So there's two main things that I sort of wanted people to be aware of and touch on today, which is yeah, the broader journey from before you even, like the first contact before they even are, are talking about a role, joining your talent community right up until, um, you know, the in this case, Flybys alumni. So the boomerang candidates, when they leave, you want the, the onboarding and the offboarding to be equally as good you want their experience in the middle to be the best experience that they've ever had. And then hopefully you can stay in touch with them and, and get some boomerang candidates for the future as well. So, um, and the other thing is more on a personal note, obviously just expanding your skills and being more than the talent acquisition side. Um, and I can go into that further detail now. Or do you want me to talk more about it? Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's, that's, that's kind of key to the conversation we want, we want to have today. And, and that's around, <clears throat> you know, the, um, the core function, I guess, or certainly the pu publicly seen or conventionally seen as the core function of, of a, a talent team is bringing talent in. Um, but then once they're in, once they're an employee now, well, that doesn't, that they are still talent. They're just talent within a business. And therefore it's, you know, the, the more about what is the, um, what's the, what's that person's future within that business? What's their experience through that? You know, I often say that when we talk about candidate experience to the interview process, um, it's candidate experience uh, is probably more important for the candidates who don't get the job and become an employee than it is those who do because they get the employee experience once they, they join the join the organization. <clears throat> but often that employee experience is, oh, we're employing now. Okay, cool. Let's go back out to the market and try to find some more people to, to come and do that. So it's almost like, you know, not forgotten about, unless that, that's unfair and probably accurate, but, um, you know, that person, that, that talent is um you know has a has a, a lifespan within that business and the better that experience can be um the longer that person will be um you know, likely to be associated with that organization and delivering good work for the organization and and, and adding adding value to the business which is which is where everybody wants in that in that space right um Sandra, and obviously you know this is something that's very close to your heart you've been doing a lot of nodding there as well so um give you the opportunity to, to add a bit to that as well yeah, no, I, I think, you know, everything that both Lauren and Michael have said definitely resonates, I think, with what we're doing in our talent team as well and our talent function. Um, so talent at Papercut is the full talent management life cycle. So it's not just the acquisition, it's beyond that as well. So I think for what we do um, in this space is, you know, further to what Michael was saying as well, is like once we get them through the job, what's next, right? So let's look at our internal talent pool. Let's look at the retention strategy. Let's look at the growth and development plans for them um, and proactive help them grow and um, develop within the business. So then we're not in that reactive stage all the time where we have to go out to market and do pipelining and all of that, where we can do that internally. So I think, you know, it's about being more visible about how the talent partners can support the businesses in this. So, you know, once a candidate um, or an employee starts at the business, it's um, I think it's it sits with the talent team as well, the talent partners to do the monthly check-ins, um, just a pulse check to say how that's going. You know, is this role what you thought it was going to be? Is this company still, you know, the place that you are happy with, that kind of thing? And feed those conversations back to the people leads or their, their direct hiring leads or whatever it is. Because as talent partners, we get so much information when speaking to candidates um, at the very start, you know, we find out all about their life story and history. And so many organizations I've been to is like, yep, they start handed over to the people experience or the HR team, see you goodbye, and we start again. Um, so it's it's being that conduit for the people team or the OD team, if there's one. Um, but in our talent team, um, we get to do that. So that's something that I think is very beneficial for people coming through um, into the business. 
But I think it's it's about being proactive, about being visible. It's about communicating back um, the information supported by the data back to the stakeholders, back to the, the people leads so that they know the value that we can add as a talent function um, and not just come to us to put up an ad or, you know, the transactional pieces of work that nobody really enjoys doing that much. Yeah, I think the, um, rather kind of the, the, the proactivity um, conversation there, I think it's it's undeniable, unavoidable that there has been a, a, a downturn or a deceleration in, in hiring, particularly in the tech space over the last, over the last year. But I think everybody, or certainly the vast majority of people and in in people in organisations in the tech industry, um, expect it to to come back. Right? This isn't this isn't forever. This is a this is a this is a, a, a point in time situation um, or set of a set of circumstances that are very to the market currently. Um, and there will be inevitably times where we get back to markets where there's lots and lots of recruitment activity. But in the meantime, you know, what can we it, what, what can be done in, within talent parts of their businesses to prepare for that? No one knows when that's going to be. You know, as a recruitment agency, I want it to be next week. Um, but you know, it's going to be at some point in the future. The talent, the, ta- the market talent is going to is going to is going to pick up again. Um, it probably won't come back exactly as it was. It will be a slightly you know um, you know more evolved um, version of what we've what we've been used to over the last um, you know uh, uh, in recent years. Um, so it's kind of that. To, to that productivity point, being more proactive around, okay, well, what do we think it will look like? How, what do we need to do within our business to prepare ourselves for that? Because when that does happen, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be uh, spending a lot more of our time in the actual acquisition part of being out there, you know, identify, attract, and engage people for these jobs, um, or for these, these roles with new teams. So I think, um, you know, any kind of um, uh, initiatives where we're able to kind of Take advantage of the of, of the of the situation we're in right now. Say, so, look, you know what? we didn't have capacity for this sort of work before because we were too busy doing acquisition pits. Now we have. Okay, well, let, let's get it done. You know, I kind of liken it to, um, you know, when everyone starts going back to the gym um, towards the end of winter because they're expecting they're going to be going to the beach again. You know, in, in, in summer it's going to come. Um, you know, we don't go to the beach in winter, so you know, we. I, I, I'll speak for myself here. You know, I don't exercise as much, or you know, um, you know, uh, control my calorie intake as much as I, as much as I perhaps should. Um, but it's, it's it's the same logic, right? We're preparing for something that's going to happen. We have the time to do that. Um, so what do we do? Um, Lauren, I know there's been a, a few um, specific uh, initiatives and, and and projects we're working with in YOB. Are you able to? Um, yeah. How, how much of those are you able to share with us today? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll share it as as much as you'd like. Um, so I, I agree, 100% agree with you. The the slower um, period that we've had at the moment in uh, in recruiting has meant that we've had capacity to focus on different things. We've certainly been able to improve some of our processes. We've been able to interrogate um, the 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 way in which we recruit some of our roles um, and bring in assessments or um, look at how we um, structure up who does which interviews and, and the number of interviews, et cetera. So there's certainly been some process improvements that we've been able to focus on. And um, we've also been able to focus on um, the efficiency side of recruitment. So getting our time to hire down, um, our candidate type, time to hire down, headcount, time to hire down, um, looking at uh, the, the contractor contracts process, um, a visa process, all of those sorts of things that, um, you just don't have time for when you're going at 100 miles an hour. So there's kind of the efficiency bucket, I suppose, that I'd, I'd put some of those things into. Um, but I think the more value-adding work that we've been able to focus on has certainly been getting far closer to the functions that we are supporting um, and understanding their business a lot more, Doing um, being involved in the talent um, sessions, succession planning, um, and starting to think more broadly around our workforce um, and being more involved in the strategic workforce plan around the kinds of skills that we're going to need, the, the shape of the organisation that we're going to need, how that fits in with the, the overall organisational strategy um, and thinking far more broadly. And, and that sort of work also requires different types of skills, I think, from 
from your traditional talent acquisition um, into that more advisory uh, role. So it's also allowed us to be able to develop as a function, as, as a talent function, the kinds of skills to be able to have those conversations with executives around the direction of their organisation and what they're kind of seeing in terms of the, the skill shift that they're going to require in the future. Um, one of the things that we have also done is these career conversations, which I, I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, and this is something I'm I, I feel really passionate and proud of because um, it's quite often, I think, easier for someone to have a career conversation with a recruiter external to the organisation than it is internal to the organisation. If you don't necessarily have a great people leader who's willing to sit down and have a, an open career conversation about opportunities in your organisation and outside of your organisation, then you really don't have that opportunity to explore where your career might go. Um, so we've kind of taken that and actually are starting to open up. We've kind of taken different parts of the business at a time because we don't want a complete flood of people coming for these career conversations. Um, but actually having in-depth career conversations with a recruiter about your career that's confidential where you can talk about where you want your career to go and it could be an internal conversation. It could touch, you know, internal conversations. It could touch external conversations as well, opportunities as well. Um, but but offering that as a, um, a value add to employees as they're thinking about their careers, um, we hope is going to mean that they're also looking more broadly at their career at MYOB and not just thinking about what's what's my boss's job and that's therefore my career path, but thinking far more broadly around where else they could go within the organisation. Michael, lots of uh, lots of recognition and, and agreement there. Clearly, what um, similar. Um, no, I'm just going to twitch. I'm just trying to stretch up my neck and I'm like, yeah. No, I'm, I'm loving everything that Lauren's saying. I love the the, the, um, the fact that you used the word advisor because we're definitely seen as advisors in my company. We're a much smaller size, five us around 400 people now. There's two talent managers. So we're definitely seen as experts in the market. People come to us when they're sort of arranging and um, bringing out new roles and stuff like that. Uh, market info or we think about titles, salary range, um, you know, responsibilities, um, expectations of how we're going to fill it, etc. So really, really good to be seen as an advisor and adding that extra value. I love your comments. So yes, all those nods were uh, were, <laughs> were mean, meaningful. Um, but no, absolutely. I, I think it's very much uh, about that sort of adding extra value, 100%. I, um, so sorry, I'll just go back a step because I, I know there's some people uh, I can see that are, uh, have signed in today that used to be at my uh, agency team back at Experis, um, and I, I used to get a lot of stick for talking about that I used to work in TV. But it's a good segue, so I'm going to do it again. So um, you know, feel free to send me messages later on LinkedIn, guys. Um, but uh, as I mentioned before, I did used to work in TV, but the reason it's relevant is one thing that I saw in that industry is, um, so I worked in reality TV, which means you're going out on, on site, shooting and, and filming interviews with people and stuff like that. And back in the day, you would have a producer and a director and a cameraman uh, and a location assistant or whatever. Um, and it turned very much into a two-man band. So I would be going out with a producer slash director slash cameraman. And he's staying there with the camera and doing everything. And I'm sort of running around. I'm the location assistant. I'm the, the runner, the, the coordinator, the talent manager, everything. So there's very much blended roles. And I'm definitely seeing that happening across the market in general, but definitely a requirement in our roles to be doing that as well. So I said that I look after the, the tech teams, obviously in tech, it's uh, you know very encouraged, if not just expected that you should be constantly learning, developing, updating your skills. Uh, there are new technologies coming out all the time. So you need to evolve with the market as well. Um, but I think that we should be doing the same. And I think most roles in the workforce should always be having this mentality and attitude. But I think, in TA, we definitely need to be doing it as well. We need to be expanding those skills. And on a personal note, and I know this is very niche to Flybys specifically, so not everyone can obviously be in a company that's set up like Flybys and the phase that we're particularly in with our growth at the moment. But one of the main reasons why I joined Flybys was the setup of the team. And so instead of having a separate HR team sitting over here that you collaborate with and you're the TA team and, and you know, you've got separate little squadrons, um, the Flybys people experience team, because it is all about the end-to-end, -end, as we discussed before, people experience um, team, which involves all those different roles that I mentioned earlier. That was specifically why I wanted to get in there, not just to be a part of the growth and advise, and it was you know, really, really fun journey to be with a big brand that's going through a refresh of the brand and, and huge growth spur. That's fantastic from a talent 
um, acquisition and management point of view, but to be immersed with people that, okay, well, how's that going to integrate with internal comms? How's, what are the HR, what are the legalities part of things? So I've got the chance to be involved in, um, you know, more HR elements. We did uh, some legal audits of particular things, contract engagement, um, candidate experience is another one of my elements. So Lauren, you touched on a few things there. Liam, we've discussed this in the past, but making sure that people that are not successful or are not aligned for this particular role, because obviously we're smaller, it's very niche for what we need right now, making sure that those people are looked after, that they leave, walk out the door happy, uh, whether they get the role or not, and that we stay in touch with those long-term relationships so that when an aligned role comes up, they're ready to go. Um, and uh, I'm happy to quickly touch on Stefan's comment there about talent community as well, if, if now's a good time. Yeah, so I can just introduce that then. So um, question from um, Stefan at Explore. Um, in your opinion, what does it take to build a true talent community rather than just creating another database of resumes? Yeah, I understand. So great question, Stefan, because it was something that, uh, like Lauren said, that slight lull in recruitment the beginning of this year uh, meant that we could finally have some time to focus on uplifting processes and, and things like that. So we've uh, had a talent community going for a while, but there was definitely some uplift work to, to happen there. So um, I see what you're meaning because the, the general element of the talent community, I guess, is a database because it creates profiles from any applicant. We can obviously add candidates in here and there, but you do need to have specific talent pools. So Lauren said, uh, talked about collaborating uh, with obviously your, your business partners and things like that. Um, I often have meetings with the Tech LT leadership team, um, sit down. And so I created a bit of a, a strategy, a Miro board about where the sort of key roles, especially for IP purposes, um, were in the business, what the upcoming skill requirements were. I sat down with each sort of team leader across tech and worked out, okay, what are the, the, the tech coming out of the market? What would you like to see? Um, you know, and it goes back to the title, there's future proofing. Um, for the business, not just looking at this particular requirement that's here now, but what do we need over the next 12 months, even 24 months, so we can start keeping an eye out for that. And then creating all those different talent pools. And then when you get a moment, or if you're talking with someone about a particular role, okay, no, you're not um, right for this role right now, but that doesn't mean that you're not right for future roles. So we're going to put you in this talent pool. We're going to stay connected. And I think the main difference to talking about, um, you know, talent community rather than a database is that you do engage with them and you stay in communication and you stay updated and things like that. So we came up with a, a comm strategy to basically reach out to specific people in specific talent pools, right? We And the first comms was, you know, we've added you to this specific talent pool. Um, are you open to the market now, later in the year, maybe in the future? Do you want to stay in touch but not receive comms sort of thing? So there were different options that we gave them and people that wanted to have the, the comms coming to them. Uh, Bi-weekly, we're releasing interesting things that's specific to that particular talent pool. So, okay, maybe it's around cloud or security. This is what our security team have been up to lately. You know, this is what's going on. Or here's a little video that we took with the head of security to introduce our team. So just making sure that they've got info and insight so that as soon as a role becomes available that's aligned to them, they know all about how we work, what our teams are doing, how we collaborate and stuff like that. And it, it keeps them engaged, it keeps them interested. Um, and it makes the process a lot quicker when we get moving on things. Yep, good example. Thanks, Randall. Um, Slim, I just wanted to bring you back in. Um, I still feel quite so conscious by calling you Slim on a public panel, but yeah, that's that. All good. I think that's fine now. Um, the um, I just wanted to bring you back in on on um, you know anything you want to add to um, Stefan's question around um, building a talent community, um, but also um, what you and I spoke about in in preparation for today. Was yeah. around that kind of that 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 productivity which you've already spoken about, partner with the business, provide coaching on on leveraging newly distant talent, and I wanted to kind of give you the opportunity to talk a bit about um, some of the specific initiatives um, that uh, have uh, in your what just about what, eight eight or nine months um, at yeah. uh, at a paper, but right right at the time when the market kind of turned this way. Um, so probably everything that you've done at Paper Cup in that time has, has been relevant to this. So I'm trying to give you a bit of a platform to talk about that. Yeah, we've, we've been fortunate a little bit like Michael at, at Flybys as well, is that we haven't 
I mean, we're, we're going through a lull now, but I think that's because we're just doing our budgets for um, and our financial year and waiting for the headcount for the new year. Um, but we've been very lucky that we're still actively hiring and we're still um, growing. Um, and I would like to caveat that with like, it's a strategic growth piece, right? We're not just going out to market and go, we need to expand and double our business by 500 because that's where you see a lot of the layoffs happening. Um, it's where it's, you know, not planned and not um, have good strategies put in place. So some of the things that we do at Papercut and something that I'm really passionate about, and I know um, Laura is also very passionate about, um, who is the role I'm covering at the moment, is around the internal talent mapping um, process that we do, which is slightly different from the external talent mapping. We all know what that is. Um, the internal talent map um, is really looking at um, where all our talent sits currently. Now, it's a big piece of work that 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 needs to be done, um, and obviously doing it for everyone. We're close to 300 headcount across um, the US, um, Australia, and the UK at the moment. So what we've done is we, we've done, we've gone through it with a staggered approach. So we've rolled it out for um, senior career levels and above, um, sat down and calibrated with all the hiring, um, all the people leads, all the direct managers and their peers, um, talk about the performance, talk about potential performance, talk about, you know, what are the skill gaps um, that the individual um, has or doesn't or, you know, where they shine. Um, and we use a nine box um, tool just because it's the easiest way um, to go around a talent map um, for their identify the high performers um, and then have some of those career conversations with the high performers um, as well. A bit like what you're talking about, Lauren, there, um, you know, what are your career um, goals and development plans? What can we do to improve in that space? How can we help you, um, you know, look for that next role, um, you know, cross-functional roles. Is there any role outside of your current space that you want to explore? Is it, you know, in, within go-to-market, do you have, you know, plans to go into product and vice versa and things like that? Um, so what steps we have in place to support our general candidates really to succeed um, and identify. And then where we have the skills gaps that we have noted, that's where we can go out and do an external market map of where these candidates or potential skills lie so that when the next vacancy comes about, we don't replace like for like, we can have a really robust conversation going, you know, this person's left, they've got this knowledge, is this the exact knowledge that we want to replace it with? What can we do? Here's, you know, our top talent and business and, and go with that. So I think it's, it's really about working with the people leaders and knowing, I guess, the strategic workforce plan. Um, not that we have anything too formal in place because that's always a work in progress, um, but taking a proactive approach to having these development conversations, um, being able to business partner um, on the advisory level as well to go, if this person is not at the potential or they're not there, what's the reasons why? They could be very happy, you know, doing their job day in, day out. They don't really want to progress in that role and that's fine because we can't all want to do that. Um, but also, you know, putting in support like so that they're not, um, I guess, bored or stuck or pigeonholed in that position, making sure that they're also happy and, and they have access to development and growth plans, even if they don't want to progress further up the career level um, or to a different role. So I think having those conversations is really important when you, when you talk about um having conversations with people about you know transitioning from perhaps one part of the business into another or one role into another have you and this is i suppose a general question to, to everybody so that everyone's been for a, for a similar initiative or spent time focusing on, on, on a similar thing has anyone noticed a particular a particularly common direction like people lots of people from or several examples rather, but probably more likely, of people wanting to go from business unit A to business unit B or or um, job A to job B? Um, or has it been a, a kind of a, 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 a mix? Anything kind of you, you didn't expect that you have seen since asking the question and therefore kind of um, justifying the asking of the question in the first place because you've learned something you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have otherwise suspected? I think that's a really good question. Um, I'll jump in first. I think where I've seen it work really well is when we've got cross-functional projects across the business where people come together from different areas um, and they wear different hats. Um, you know, so it could be someone completely, I don't know, a software developer, for example, and they've picked up a completely different role in, within an operational space um, for that project. And they kind of go, actually, I really enjoy that part of work. 
that's something I'm really clean to explore and vice versa, right? You don't know what you know until they get into that space. Lauren, have you seen any any kind of trends from people wanting to go from, you know, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, before we, when we kicked off the career conversations piece of work, we actually met with the exec and we asked them two questions around um, which departments or areas of the business either do we need to really retain because they're critical to the success of the business and where do we have those kind of feeder areas where we know that there's going to be fewer roles in that area and we know that we need other other roles in other areas or it's easy for people to transition out of that team into another team. So where do we want to encourage those kinds of shifts? Um, so for for us, security and reliability was really important for us to retain and security roles are obviously in high demand right now. Um, but we've got a, a group called Demand Gen, uh, which is a sales team. And we find that quite often they know the product really well. Um, and they're obviously, um, they've got a tech background, but they really love working with customers as well. So there's plenty of places in which they can go. We've got examples of those people within the Demand Gen team moving into sales, a lot of people moving into sales, into enterprise sales. Uh, because of their tech background, we've had some people move into tech, into product, so there are definitely pockets within the business where you kind of say, actually, there's a lot of people from that pool who could move into a number of places because of either the the, the skills that they've developed as part of their role in terms of our product specifically, or the skills that they bring to that role in terms of their previous history. Um, and they're far more flexible in being able to move around the organisation. Yeah, so the demand gen team is a, is a critical example for us. Was that, what, what, which came first, the, recogn- the, the recognition that um, people from that team would add a lot of value to add elsewhere, and therefore was that it was kind of a, you know encouraged in that direct to those people, or has it, those people saying, hey, I think I've got some some um, you know, some useful skills and knowledge and, um, you know, ability to add value to other parts of the business? It's been known for a while. So if I take the demand gen team, we've we've certainly had a lot of movement out of that team and there's been encouragement of that movement. So I think that the movement probably happened first, but then our ability to actually put a program in place around that and say, let's, let's put a little bit more structure behind it and actually be able to have conversations with these people about the opportunities that are outside of that immediate team. I think has kind of helped facilitate that as well. Has that yeah. has that been more successful than perhaps you thought? And then now there's there's um, requirements in the demands the demand gen team. Is that, is that correct? Correct? Just just create a problem, you know, in there? Or no, I don't think it creates a problem. I mean, it's still it's not the uh, career conversations is still new, um, so we we probably haven't seen the the full extent of it. But no, it's, it's certainly not a problem. We love being able to move people around and give them plenty of opportunities, and if it means opening up space in in that team then so be it we'll recruit into that into that team as well yeah yeah i, 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 I think it was um uh you know a point made earlier around um employees are more likely to have conversations about um what they want to do or challenges that in their current role externally with recruiters and other potential employers that they are internally um and and so that you know as a we're we're a from agency so we are we're definitely you know that, that one of those kind of external um conversations and um when we're looking when we're speaking to a to a a, a, a person about a, a potential job change um obviously we're trying to understand what their what their push and pull factors are why why are they why are they looking what are they interested in what are they what do they want they're not getting what are they doing that they'd like you know those sorts of things um and and probably more common than most is definitely that i've learned everything there is to learn here there's nothing yeah there's nowhere for me to go um uh, or yeah, the project's finished and now it's just we're just in BAU or something like that. Like, and there's just this kind of this internal, internal to them um, uh, feeling that okay, well I've done my time here, um, so I now need to go to some, somewhere else. So I'm not sure whether that's whether that's informed by you know the um, probably quite quite commonly held belief, particularly in the tech space, that the average tenure of um, let's say a software engineer. Um, you know, in Australia currently is about just under two years. So it's like, oh, well, I've been here two years. It's time I move. I don't know whether that's, you know, inform that conversation or not, but um, we'll often encourage, you know, people that, that if that's a question, have you asked that question internally? Like, you know, even almost whatever it is, but, but particularly related to that, 
Um, you know, if someone's saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a pay rise. But they had a conversation with the current manager about that mm. um, rather than just going to look externally first and assuming that it doesn't exist internally. Um, if you ask the question and these opportunities don't exist internally, then, I, you know, then okay, then that's probably, that's probably the, right, the right direction. But I think, um, you know, the... Uh, the average tenure has been around two years. Again, I'm talking about software engineers, but I imagine it's not that much different in, 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 in any other um, in verticals. It's been around two years for as long as I can remember. Um, and we've been recruiting Australia for 18 years now. So it's been there or thereabouts for that period of time. If the, um, if the industry could extend that out, that average to three years, or God forbid, you know, four, five, who knows, then... You know what? I wonder what value that would that would that would bring to not only to the organisation those people working with because it's greater retention and you know retaining that IP and that knowledge and those skills, um, but also opportunities for those individuals. You know, two years here, then two years there, then two years there. Would that necessarily? I, I, I believe there's probably a um, a belief out there that that is the case. That I need to move two years, two years, two years to get that overall breadth of experience. But actually, I imagine there's a lot of scenarios. Um, I know there are a lot of scenarios, a lot of organizations where actually six years of that one organization could achieve just as much, if not more, if the right conversations are had and and, and that kind of that, 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 that support is there. So I think, you know, encouraging the talking uh, or encouraging conversations around that um, internally is is a, is, a, is a good thing. Right? Yeah, Liam, we, we had that conversation quite frequently, actually. How do we get another six months, 12 months out of this person? or this workforce or whatever and similar to Michael we're structured uh, we don't have we're not called HR we're, we don't have an HR function we're employee experience so we've got workplace um, digital experience and people experience all as part of the one uh, team and 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 just like you're saying Liam how do we get more out of our people which might mean internal mobility but I also might mean a whole host of other like um, leadership opportunities or learning opportunities um, or things that fall into the OD space um, or, um, yeah, try, trying to create those better experiences for people so that when they do look external, actually, they don't necessarily say the grass is greener and we can actually start to extend that period of time that they're with us for. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think look, again, yeah, look from the, the, the point of view of, a, of an external agency, um, there's definitely there are definitely organisations and companies out there that I've known in the market in, in amongst the talent communities and talent networks for um, providing a great employee experience or having interesting projects to work on or you know um, becoming you know I think we used, to, we used to use the term employer of choice I'm not necessarily that's a I'm not sure that's that's a particularly modern phrase but you know that that can actively their employer brand or their EVP. Um, uh, is well known out in the market and actually does a really good job at attracting people to those organisations. There are some obvious obvious examples in the Australian industry, but um, you know, the, the, I think the I would I would put forward that putting that work and find find the capacity and the time to put that work in, which I think is what yeah, a lot of what we're talking about today um, is actually time well spent and effort and effort well um, you know well put in because. Um, when we when that when that market does pick up again, or it does become a new version of a of a, of a high demand, uh, high time demand market, um, then that will that will return, um, you know, with interest, because it will make that part easier, more successful, um, you know, down the line as and when as and when that as and when things do do so. Um, Michael, anything to add to that? I'm coming to you on this one, yeah. Oh, um, so many things that I wanted to touch on. I'm trying to remember what I was thinking while you guys were talking. But, I mean, we we did a podcast, Liam, uh, recently, if, if anyone listening wants to look through the, the previous podcast on emerging talent. And we've touched on a few things that we, we pointed out on that particular podcast, which was, and specific to Firebus, because we'd gone through all that growth. One thing that I was talking uh, about on there was that we, we have all this new talent that's just joined. So last year, for example, we brought on 144 new people and I'm proud to say we have really good retention at flybys. Um, and I think it's a good, healthy, you need to find a healthy balance, I feel, with um, you know bringing new people in, new ways of thinking, new skills, new value, et cetera. But as well, we love to encourage internal promotions um, and, and have that retention as well. So 
we're very, very lucky to have built a lot of hard work went into it, but we built a really good culture and there's lots of amazing reviews and everyone talks about the amazing flexibility and, and Flybys Flex and um, the amazing culture and, and the work-life balance that we have with Flybys. And so people do want that internal. And I think one thing that I, I do as a, um, a talent manager, um, if this is, is helpful, is just um, definitely immerse yourself in your teams, but encourage uh, shadow initiatives and, and things like that. So I'll be just chatting with someone and they'll be like, it um, might be like an email developer, for example, um, that was in the kitchen the other day and, and she was like, I'm really interested in uh, cloud architecture. I just don't know where to go. And we, we have a, uh, um, a tool internally that people can use and they can look through all the PDs of all the different roles across the business and do a bit of a, an analytical printout of what their skills are and how that aligns. And so it talks about where the gaps are so they can go to their manager, talk through that analytical printout and work on their development into a particular space and we can support that. But sometimes it's not necessarily specific or that's not the next step for their career. And so it's good to be seen as someone that they, they can come to and I can go, well, look, because um, I know everyone across the tech teams and stuff like that, look, let me go and chat with someone that would be good to speak with coordinate a coffee chat for you. And then she went and spoke with uh, one of the cloud architects. They had a really good conversation. She came back to me later and said, oh, it was incredible. Just in that conversation, I now know what to look into and what to work on. I'll have a chat with my manager, et cetera. So little things like that. And there are multiple examples of, uh, of times I've done that, but um, make sure that you're leveraging that internal talent and, and supporting that so that um, as we've talked about before, you don't need to look externally always. Can we work on someone? We had, we had someone that had been with Flybys since they were embedded in Coles. They were, they'd been with the business for 20 years. Uh, no, sorry, 16, 16 years. And so they'd done everything uh, basically in their particular field of, of expertise in the commercial space. And they really wanted to stay with Flybys. And so the only sort of um, venture they hadn't really explored was the tech space. And so we found a role that was able to leverage their transferable skills over into the tech space. Did the same with someone that was in MarTech, moved into a tech product owner role. You mentioned product, Lauren. You know, I, I love the way that Sandra was talking about sort of really liaising with the hiring managers and, and, and stuff like that. And if there's one other piece of advice, um, I know we're nearing the end of the time, that I would suggest to people as sort of, you know, expanding on your BAU and really expanding your skills is embed yourself in your teams and be seen as that bridge between the hiring managers, between talent externally and internally. And just a bridge amongst all the teams, be that liaison. Um, and uh, the only other thing I was going to say is just remember design thinking. One of the first courses that I did when I joined Firewise was around design thinking. It was a, a quick sort of eight-week remote course with RMIT. If anyone's interested, it was pretty good. But um, just on Naomi and Stefan having a bit of a chat um, still about this time, uh, community thing, um, design thinking, go and ask people what they want, what they need in, in order to sort of create um, that sort of content. Um, one of the first things that I did was go and chat with the hiring managers, chat with my network, chat with candidates, whatever. So Naomi's absolutely right. Get on the phone, have a chat with people, find out what they want, and then they'll tell you. And they'll be like, oh, I really want to know about what you're doing in the security space. I really want to know what product's doing and stuff like that. Okay, great. So I'm going to go chat with the head of product. I'm going to go chat with the head of security, make a little video. It is hard to find the time for sure, um, and sort of designating leads to go and do all these projects and stuff. But as we talked about for that whole journey, if you've got that information going out, you're not only spooking the business, you're updating people, you're keeping your talent pools going. Um, it's really beneficial for the long run if you can manage it. Yeah, I think the, the, the proactivity um, and visibility of that is what, you know, you can have the greatest, the greatest tools and processes in the world, but if no one knows they exist, um, then they're not going to be able to use them or leverage them um so you know making that um yeah, the communication of it um the visibility of it the accessibility of it um of all, yeah I'll, I'll just use that and that's all you were talking about as an example but a lot of things that we talked about today people yeah, so the, 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 just the, the really well kept secrets then actually what you know what's the what's the the, the opportunity to come leverage and, and get value from those uh just to your point about um uh emerging talent as well uh, michael like when you know let's fast forward a year two years whatever um time period we're, we're looking at um in the community the talent looking for new roles the talent that exists will be different to that that it was you know in the last uh last year let's say or the, or the last three years um so you know again down, down to that um having the capacity to do other things other than just go look for people for current jobs um i think you know one of the really kind of smart 
um, application of that of that additional time and capacity would be to um, continually look at um, these emerging talent pools and and not just new people coming into the market, not just new people moving across from one, you know, from commercial to tech, for example, um, but also um, looking at different attitudes to work. Right? What through through this cycle, if we call it that, that we're in right now, attitudes to work will change, expectations will change, demands will change, um, in the same way that they did, you know, pre and post COVID. You know, that's that was a, a very different situation and almost a seismic shift in, in, in people's kind of attitude and expectation and um and, and companies had to respond to that right because um you know the if we just take work from home for as, as an example um that has changed that's changed work probably forever um you know and the, and the advancement of technology and technologies that enabled that um uh so there will be a similar kind of again i'm going to drop it in there evolution of um people's um uh, attitudes, the way they think about work, and the way they think about their career, and what they what they want from employers, what they expect from employers. Um, so, rather than kind of finding that out in the moment when we're recruiting for those people down the line, putting that time into prep um, so that we can kind of respond um, more appropriately at the time, I think is uh, is, is, is worthwhile. Um, yeah. Sandra, I'll, uh, I'll come to you again. I know you're I know you're not feeling well, so I, I, I'm trying not to I'm trying to pick on you too much. Um, but um, yeah, anything anything to, to add on, on, on those comments? No, I really like uh, Michael's flag on design thinking as well, because so often um, us in the, the people experience or the people and culture teams, um, we go in there with a lot of good intentions and assumptions about what people actually want. Um, and it's really not that hard to go back and check with the stakeholders or with the communities that we're implementing changes to, right? So we've got a little bit of a downtime now in between, you know, working on roles. For example, my team is reviewing our um, our entire interviewing process. Um, they're going back and checking in with the hiring managers, checking in with, you know, the product leads, checking in with the stakeholders. They're going, this is our processes. This is what we've done in the last 12 months. Are you still happy with this? we're thinking of changing ABC. Um, this is what we've heard from our candidates. They're expecting X, Y, Z. Um, let's meet in the middle ground. What do you think? And so just going back and checking back in, I think it's really important. So, um, you know, you, you, the product design thinking as well, you know, we build all these personas and assumptions and we and then we don't tell anyone about it um, or we don't check that it, it's still relevant um, because things are um changing and evolving um, as time goes on and as roles goes on. Um, and same with the talent communities as well. It's 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 definitely to Naomi's point, it's to pick up the phone, call and have a chat. Just go, you know, we spoke about this role 12 months ago. Is this still something that you are keen on? You know, when we spoke, you were lacking in, you know, you needed to develop in these skills. What have you done since then? Because um, that's kind of where we're at at this moment. And if you're ready, we'll be like, you know, have, happy to have a conversation with you. So being really mindful and creating those kind of conversations as well. I think Michael also spoke about having a really good company culture um, and something I'm really proud of, of working at Papercut. I am a Boomerang employee. And so that I think speaks volumes about the culture of a company, right? Where you really love and trust the culture where you're at. Um, you kind of rely on the people. So it doesn't matter whether um, people leave the organization, um, it matters that they leave with really good positive experiences that they still speak very fondly and very highly of, of the business. And we're very lucky. We've had a lot of, um, well, not a lot, but we've had people who have left the businesses um, who still speak highly um, of Papercut as a business. So then when we've got candidates that reach out, you know, um, networking and, and things like that, they do reach out to those people and they go, actually, one of the best experiences of my life, really enjoyed working there, couldn't highly recommend them more. And I think building that as a talent team as well, we've got to be very mindful of the people, um, of the new talent that we bring in, because we don't want to change our culture so much that we lose the core value um, there. So yeah, just just things to be mindful of when when we're in the talent team, all the, all the things that we touch on, all the things that we can influence directly and indirectly, um, it's very important. Yeah, I think the, the just to, to just reminded me of a, an initiative, and this isn't necessarily related to the the, the current market current situation, but um, during the COVID 
I mean, I, I, I'm based in Sydney, so it was our COVID um, half year. I think for, for you guys in Melbourne, that was obviously a lot more, lot more drastic. But um, during that yeah. during that period, one of the things that we did as, as a business, not just related to hiring, was to go back and look at every single process. We had the capacity to go and look at every single process, or at least try and look at every single process in a business. So, right, why do we do it that way? Why, a, why do we do it at all? And what? And, and if and if there's a, a genuine reason of that, why do we do it that way? And we just boil it down as, as far back as we can. And if if the reason that we do it at all, or we do it that way, was because we always have, well, it wasn't good enough. So start again. Mm. Right. If we are redesigning that from that process, however small that might be, from today, without the without the reasoning of we just always have, then just stop. And, and, and redesign it. And actually, what we might learn is that there's a much better way of doing it. We might also learn that the way we were doing it before was right. Um, but equally, we could be spending a lot of our time um, doing things that we don't need to do or doing things ineffectively. So to, to your point about the interview process that you're looking at, um, and I think, you know, certainly, I think it's probably true in, 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 all, in all jobs, in everyone's job. Things get added to your job as a new task or a new tool or a new thing you've got to live into or a new thing you've got to do or anything you measure that or whatever. Um, and we only have so much capacity. So when we kind of have this, this, and it's not always possible, but where possible, every time we add something into somebody's job, what can that replace? Right? So um, yeah, we, we, those 10 really important tasks, we now got 11, there's 12, there's 13. Well, we need to start taking some away at the bottom that are not as important anymore. Because otherwise, just loading people up and they're going to burn out. And they're not going to they just be spreading themselves too thin across all of these lots of these new, new things that they're, they're trying to do or we ask you to do um and which normally get the same sort of results out of it so i think that kind of constant going back i don't know if that necessarily um you know fits into the concept of design thinking but but actually that that going back to start and go right why don't we do this why do we do it this way and resign it from there um yeah if you if you end up with the same result then then that's then that's the right answer you, you touched on a good point though, like whether it's design thinking or not, Liam, like something you're touching on, attitude and mindset are two things that I, I look in candidates. Um, it's key because it's one thing that um, could sort of overcome the other changes in uh, tech stack or, or processes or whatever. If you've got that ability to be um, agile and you've got the right attitude and you want to learn and you've got that, that mindset that aligns. And I really like, Sandra, that you touched on values. It's so key because you're absolutely right. Like it is a, you know, constantly, fast changing world, you need people that can move with your needs as the business. And that's going to help with retention. That's going to help with, you know, the growth in general, holistically, et cetera. But the value space is interesting. We actually, in our process, I don't know if you guys have something similar, but throughout the recruitment process, we send uh, a quiz about our values. And so it helps us, it gives a printout. When, if anyone wants to look into it, it's with a tool called Weirdly. Um, and basically you create um, a bit of a quiz which is aligned with your values and stuff like that. So it asks uh, certain questions and you, you sort of gauge where you sort of are about certain things. And then at the end, it shoots out sort of your alignment to each of our personal values uh, at the company and obviously what your top value alignment is. So it's not a psychometric assessment. It's not a, um, a right or wrong um, answer by any means. What it does, there are a few reasons. It sort of helps us. We provide that to the hiring managers because it sort of gives some insights into, okay, um, this might give you some insights into how to best support um, your team uh, member as well. Um, it also gives them some good insights into our values. So obviously, you know, this is around the final stages, but they haven't accepted the offer yet. Um, and this is just a reiteration of, okay, these are our values, making sure that you feel aligned. And we want people to have a high score of those. And usually they're around the 80 to um, high 90s percentile is what we're looking for. We want people that rapport and relate with our values. Um, and then obviously whatever their top value is, we alignment that with their um, onboarding swag, their swag kit, um, and it's got personalized uh, values on that. So uh, I'm be passionate. And so like I've got a thing here that says be passionate. And so stuff like that. So you can really integrate it into the, the sort of thing so people feel a part of that as well. So all these little things, they start to stack up that you can add value. They're like, oh, you know, that's great. I love the culture. I love the onboarding experience. I love the end to end experience. I love that you work with me on my development. I love that you open to support me going doing this course. All of that, they're like, oh, where did this all come about? Talent team. They're all like being so supportive and, and you know, encompassing that end to end people experience. So just goes back to everything that you guys are all saying today. If anyone needs some suggestions, just 
think broader and just be that go-to person across the business. Well, a great plug for Weirdly. I've just written that down. They'll, um, I'm sure they'll be a, 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 a very good I'm not very paid for that plug, by the way. So look into multiple different tools. Other, other, tool, other tools are all needs. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. okay. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll be taking a look. Not on the past, so thanks for that. Um, look, just conscious that we are, we, we're almost bang on the hour here. So um, I wanted to obviously the, 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 the three of you to um, join our panel today, plus the many people that have uh, signed in um, to um, watch this and, and, and comments and hopefully um, take, uh, take lots away from. Uh, don't want to take up any more any more of your your Wednesday than I than that we need to. So um, just want to say that really appreciate the, the the time and effort that you've um, you put this. We're all very busy. Um, we've got lots of things to do. Um, so you set time out to kind of share your uh, your thoughts and insights on on this topic with um, with us and our with each other and our audience. As we really appreciate it. I've certainly also takeaways and made lots of notes through the conversation. Um, and, and hopefully everybody um, involved today has as well. So. Um, Thank you all very much for your time to the audience. Thank you very much for yours as well. Um, really appreciate that. And um, stay tuned. There'll be more Evolution Exchange live podcasts coming up real soon. Thank you.